Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I just counted them up. Wednesday, I made a two-hour video giving you 33 reasons why you should come to the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade. Thirty years ago, God began giving me prophecies saying that one day He's going to use me to win thousands upon thousands of souls to His kingdom, including an audible voice, a vision, a dream, six prophetic words, 33 in all, and I believe that I have been directed to organize a meeting to release sevenfold miracles. We're asking those who believe in the warning given to Dimitri Dudeman that America is the mystery Babylon, willing to sow a key of David's seed, commit to a three-day consecutive fast, and believe in the end times to come to this crusade. During this crusade, we're asking people to walk the steps of Moses by observing Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, which is April 19 to 22. We believe that once we have fasted, sown the key of David, and opened the doors and followed the steps of Moses, God is going to release the sevenfold miracles like no person or angel in human history has ever seen. If you want to attend, register at sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. There are only 500 seats available. We expect to have several thousand wanting to come. That's sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Register while there are still seats available. sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. If you've been listening to the Prophecy Club for a while, you've probably heard me quote some amazing prophecies, and you probably thought, man, I'd like to have a copy of those prophecies. I put together my selection of the most quoted speakers we've had at the Prophecy Club, and by getting this offer, you will have the most important information from 25 years, 160 guest speakers that have made 330 DVDs, in my opinion. It's called Stan's Quote Material. The first one is The Storm Judgment Revival. You've heard me say Shane Warren many times. Revelations for the Midnight Hour, Maurice Scalar. I Saw the Dollar Dead, Daniel Davis. The End of Times, Augusto Perez. Will You Survive America's Fall, Doug Metzger. Catastrophe Meteor Tsunami Earthquake, Ephraim Rodriguez. Meteor Destruction of America by me. And the most important one, Wake Up America by Dimitri Dudeman, and a book called Prophecies of the Fall of America. That's nine DVDs, one book, valued $280 for a gift of just $75. That's right, $280 worth of material, nine DVDs in a book for $75. And it's called Stan's Quote Material. You get it at prophecyclub.com. Stan's Quote material. I would even say Stan's favorite quote material. You want the best information? You get this offer. Stan's quote material. Nine DVDs and a book. $280 value for $75. Prophecyclub.com. Today we're going to be listening to Storm, Judgment, and Revival by Shane Warren. I knew I was in the Middle East. And uh, I was sitting in a room and there was a long table and there were heads of nations around these tables. I can tell you who was there. China was there, India was there, Indonesia was there, Syria was there, Turkey was there, Iran was there, uh, just uh, Saudi Arabia was there, Russia was there. I mean, I could just go on and on. Egypt was sitting around the table. All of these nations were sitting around this long table and they were having a discussion and the discussion was how to destroy America. And they went around the table in this discussion and, uh, you know, they tossed several ideas. And finally, one of the people stood up, uh, which I, I could tell you the nation that stood up, but I want to hold that for a later time. 
because the Lord hasn't released me to say this. Uh, only to my church has He released me to, to share that. But this nation stood up, leaders stood up and said, I can tell you how we're going to do it. The American dollar is in trouble. There is nothing holding stability to the American dollar except one thing. He said, here's what it is. All of us have to purchase dollars. It is the world currency. We have to purchase dollars to buy oil. And he said, what we're going to do is we're going to buy and sell oil with a different currency other than the American dollar. And when you take that one thing out of that equation, the American dollar will collapse. They're having this discussion. And I'm sitting here like a third party listening to this. And I'm thinking, what in the world am I hearing? And one guy, they started having a discussion, okay, what currency are we going to use? And they went around the table and nobody could come to an agreement of a currency. And finally, one of them said, I know what we'll do. We can all agree that we will trade oil for gold. Will everybody agree to that? And they said, yes, we will agree to that. And I knew immediately when I heard that, I immediately hit my body. I was sitting back on my couch. I came to. I was awake. I was shaking. I couldn't believe what I'd just seen. I knew God was showing me something that was about to happen. The Lord showed me some other things while I was in that about the Middle East. I saw the entire Middle East pushing America out of the Middle East. And, and I, for years, I've been, you know, I've always studied Bible prophecy and I've always had one question. Why is the greatest nation in the history, uh, you know, at least in modern history of the world, why is the greatest nation that is the most benevolent nation, the most mission-sending nation, the most gospel-preaching nation of any other nation, why are we not mentioned one time, or does it seem like we're not mentioned one time in Bible prophecy? And I know I have a whole CD series of, of why or where possibly America is mentioned throughout the Bible. So I'm a student of that, but I've always had the question, why is there not a clear mention of us? I personally believe it's because of what we're seeing right now. Right now there's 24 nations, possibly 25 by the time we get to the end of tonight, that are pushing America, want America completely out of the Middle East. I saw all of this unfolding in my dream, so... I don't know when all of this dream or this vision that I just shared with you is going to come to pass, but what I can tell you is it's already started. Let me tell you how I know it started. Just a month ago, the BBC reported something that, that our news media did not even touch one single time. Just a month ago, every single one of the nations that I just mentioned to you that were gathered in that room in the Middle East that I saw talking about trading oil on a different currency... They reported that every single one of those nations, the rest of the world, is shocked to find out that those nations just had a meeting and they have signed an agreement to trade gold for oil and oil for gold, and so to speak. So I believe that America's headed for some tough days. You know, there's this one hope that we all have. There's always this one hope. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways. See, God said, I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. That is a hope. But I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we could quite possibly have already crossed the point of no return. And we need, I believe, the only hope for America is an absolute outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon America like the world has never seen. I'm talking about something greater even than the Great Awakening. You say, well, are you kind of preaching doom and gloom? I want to tell you, I don't believe anything in the Word of God is doom and gloom. Not for the believer. Listen, the Bible says the kingdoms of this world are coming to nothing. Amen. It shouldn't shock us that the kingdoms of this world are coming to nothing. 
The Bible says that. But as the kingdoms of this world are coming to nothing, it's going to give birth to another kingdom. The Bible says that one of these days, the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall rule and reign forever and ever. And of that kingdom, there shall be no end. Amen? And so it's not doom and gloom for us. It's power and boom for the church. And if the, if the world experiences all of this judgment, guess what else is going to happen? Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And so I believe the greatest days for the body of Christ is upon us right now. Now we might all vary in our different eschatological views of when the Lord's going to come. I don't care whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. Here's what I know. He's going to come at some point. I know, and that's what I'm believing for, okay? But until He comes... We're to occupy till He comes. And I don't believe we ought to give up territory. I don't believe we ought to let the devil have his best hand. I believe we as the church ought to stand up and be the church. You know, a lot of times things happen and, and you know, people say, well, you read too much into that. And, you know, maybe so. Maybe I read too much into some things. But sometimes when events happen, natural events. Paul said first the natural, then the spiritual. And sometimes you can understand the things which aren't seen by looking at the things which are clearly seen. Isn't that what the Word says? You know, when we talked about Japan, Japan is known as the land of the rising sun. You remember the earthquake that happened. It, it, it shifted Japan eight feet toward America. Eight feet. Eight is the number of new beginnings. When it shifted the, the, the Japan eight feet, it tilted the earth on its axis. It actually sped the rotation of the earth up. But it tilted the earth on its axis. It tilted on earth on its axis four inches. Four inches. Everybody say four inches. Four inches is ten centimeters. Ten centimeters is where you got to get a woman to give birth. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the whole creation is groaning like a woman in travail in childbirth. Now listen to this. Waiting to give manifestation to the sons of God. It doesn't say to the Son of God. It doesn't say to the Son of God. It says everything we're experiencing, all of these earthquakes, all of these things you know, that we're experiencing upon the earth is for one thing. It's waiting on the church to stand up. It's waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God. Could it be that God used the land of the rising sun to send a message to the church that it's time for the sons of God to arise and God has started something new in the earth. In fact, God has put the earth in a birthing position and this is our greatest hour to stand up in the earth and to be known. Isn't that good? And so I believe that God wants to do some exciting things through us. Amen? And so... With that said, I want you to look at a couple passages of Scripture with me. First of all, I want you to go with me to the book of Malachi chapter 3, verse number 1. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 1. Behold, I send my messenger. Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to His temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. He is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 says God is going to send a messenger to prepare the way. This, this passage of scripture has always been interpreted by every, every commentary that I've ever read says this is John the Baptist. However, what you need to know is Jewish rabbis all over the world are talking about Malachi chapter 3 verse number 1 right now and they're saying it doesn't, it doesn't reference John the Baptist. That it references something else. 
And I'm going to share a little bit of that with you. Go with me to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the father to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So watch this. Before the Lord comes, Malachi chapter 3, God sends a messenger to prepare the way. Everybody with me on that. Then Malachi chapter 4, before the Lord comes, God sends this anointing again, a messenger to prepare the way. The Bible tells us who it is. It says it's Elijah the prophet, right? So before the Lord comes, Malachi tells us that God's going to send a unique anointing to the land. And that unique anointing is the anointing of Elijah the prophet to prepare the way of the Lord. By the way, do you know Jewish rabbis, and this is written in ancient, by ancient Jewish rabbis, say that Malachi chapter 3 verse number 1 refers to a group of Gentiles. That's what they're saying. That it refers to a group of Gentiles who will provoke Israel in the last days to return to God, to the God of their fathers. These rabbis are are teaching this and they're talking about this. Now, why do they say that? Because if you go to Malachi chapter 3, you guys all know the past scripture. You know, bring the tithe offering into the storehouse and then now open the window of heaven. You know that, right? Well, if you go up just a few verses before that, he says, you strayed from my ordinances. You stray from my ordinances. Well, what ordinances is he referring to? If you look at the context, he's referring to the times, the, the, the festivals and the feast of coming in and bringing these offerings to the Lord. They had strayed from it. Well, they say, you know, I want, most people say, well, this refers to John the Baptist, Malachi 3.1. Can't refer to John the Baptist. They were doing all of that stuff during the days of John the Baptist. They were still honoring all of those ordinances. Can't even refer during the days of Jesus. They were doing all of that during the days of Jesus. So what I'm telling you, according to Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, there would be a time when they would not be offering the sacrifices in the temple and things of that nature. Ladies and gentlemen, that's today. And God says He's going to raise up a messenger before the coming of the Lord. And what's wild about all of this is rabbis are saying, this is a Gentile messenger. God's going to raise up a Gentile messenger. Well, who could that be? Who could it be? Well, the Bible goes on to tell you, Malachi chapter 3, it's the messenger of the covenant. Well, what is the covenant? The messenger of the covenant would have to be the church. We're the messengers of the covenant. So, do you know, this is the reason I throw this out is not necessarily because I hold to this view. I just want to show you that even rabbis, Jewish rabbis, who don't believe in the Messiah are saying something is happening with all of these prophetic passages that all of us have been reading for a long time and we don't have any explanation for. So even Israel is stirred up about this thing. And that's what's wild about it, right? Let me give you one passage of Scripture. Revelation chapter 7. You don't have to turn over there and just write it down. Revelation chapter 7 tells you that there are four angels that are on the four corners of the earth and they're holding back four winds so that they don't harm the earth. Right now, here's where I prophetically see us. I see four winds right now blowing all across the globe. And you can look through world history. There have always been four winds that have shaped world history. Four winds that have brought nations into prominence. Four winds that have taken nations out of prominence. Four winds that have set up kingdoms. Four winds that have destroyed kingdoms. What are the four winds of prophecy. These four winds. I don't believe these are natural winds. I believe these are supernatural winds. So I want to submit to you right now, there are four winds that are blowing on the earth that are shaping the coming storm for the last day. Number one, the winds of war. Now, tonight, I'm going to give you some stuff about some nations that I think uh, will be shocking to some of you. Specifically, nations concerning in the Middle East 
where the, the Scripture talks about specific nations. Ezekiel 38, 39, uh, you know, uh, Jeremiah 49, Psalm 83. We're going to look at some of those nations now. What's interesting in those nations of Bible prophecy that are specifically mentioned, the winds of war are blowing. The winds of economics are blowing. The winds of religion are blowing. And the winds of politics are blowing. But what's wild is these four winds are not only blowing just in the nations mentioned in your Bible, they're blowing all over the world at the same time. These winds, ladies and gentlemen, the wind of war, the wind of economics, the wind of religion, the wind of politics is shaping the world. These winds are blowing right now and I believe that they are creating the perfect storm. They're creating the perfect storm. And and what's wild is there's not there's very few nations on the globe that right now aren't experiencing these turbulent, turbulent winds right now. America is in the crosshairs of prophecy. Europe is in the crosshairs of prophecy. The, the, the Middle East is in the crosshairs of prophecy. So these winds are blowing. And I want you to keep these things in mind as I talk to you over the next few minutes. Because the problem I have, and let me just share with you, I travel all over America. In fact, I've preached so much I can hardly preach tonight, talk tonight. I travel all over America. The problem that I see is I go into churches, good churches, great churches, but the people of God are completely clueless to what is going on in the earth. It's almost like there is a stupor over their eyes. I think there's a reason for this. There's a reason that every time Jesus talked about the last days, He always talked about people being asleep. Always, right? And there's something wrong with the church. It's like a stupor is over the church. Here's what we got to have. If we're going to have this great move of God that we're talking about, we need the church to arise. So we need God to visit the church. That's the only hope for the nations. It's the only hope for the nation. I believe God's going to do it. I believe there's going to be a storm, but I believe God's going to visit the nations in the middle of this storm. Now there's a passage in your Bible, Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4 that I want to talk to you just a little bit about tonight. Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and tested him that they would show, that he, they would show him, or he would rather show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it's evening, you say that it'll be fair weather for the sky's red. And in the morning, it's going to be foul weather today for the sky's red and threatening. Hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. Say that phrase with me, the signs of the time. Very important phrase. He said in verse 4, A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them to depart. And of course, the sign of the prophet Jonah is speaking about the resurrection. Now, let me just teach you something that a lot of people don't understand. In the days of Jesus, miracles were not an unusual thing. Israel was used to seeing miracles. They had been brought up with prophets and judges. They knew very well, very well the miracle-working hand of God. So, during the times of Jesus, there are some reports that says there is as many as 80 to 90 people at the same time that Jesus was upon the earth claiming that they were the Messiah just like He was. There are some documents that say this, okay? So we know that there's a lot of people claiming that they're Messiah. 
And throughout history, people had risen up and said, they had arisen and they said, I was the Messiah. We know that Israel was looking for a Messiah. That they were looking for a Messiah. Now just to clarify, Israel is not looking for a God-man. That is not their concept of a Messiah. Their concept of a Messiah is a Davidic type of Messiah. A man who's greatly anointed by God for the sake of the kingdom of Israel. That's their concept of a Messiah. But anyway, they're looking for a Messiah. They know the Messiah is going to be able to work miracles. So here's what happens. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, would send out a delegation of people that would watch anybody who had signs and wonders following their ministry. Because they were looking for the Messiah specifically, and they had to clarify who's the Messiah and who's not. So they sent out a little investigated you know, delegation that's going to investigate who the Messiah is and who the Messiah isn't. So notice here, the Bible says there's two groups of people here that come to investigate Jesus. They're called Pharisees and what? Sadducees. All right, Pharisees are very strict adherents of the law. In fact, Jesus doesn't just say things to be saying things. You know, how many know the Word of God doesn't just speak just to be speaking? It says specific stuff, right? So when you hear Jesus say, not one jot or one tittle will pass from this, He's directing that to the Pharisees because that was terminology that was used when the Pharisees would meet together to discuss the Word. They would discuss the word in jots and tittles. And so they would use that terminology. So Jesus would use that terminology with them. Jesus here makes a statement to a group of people. And the Bible says the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Who are Sadducees? According to the Judaic Encyclopedia, and I have confirmed this with Rabbi Moshe in Israel, in order to be a Sadducee, you had to be able to trace back your lineage to the sons of Issachar. So in order to be a Sadducee in Jesus' day, you had to be of the sons of Issachar. You remember the book of Chronicles? The Bible says the sons of Issachar were discerners of the times and seasons and knew what the people of God ought to do. So notice this. Jesus is almost like slapping the religious in the face here. He says, you're Pharisees and Sadducees. You're supposed to be discerners of the times and seasons. And here you are. You're looking for the Messiah You're looking for that prophetic season that has been prophesied by the prophets for hundreds of years and you can go out and you can tell what the weather is, but you can't tell that you're living in the signs of the times. In other words, you don't know how to be a discerner of the season. That is exactly where the church is. They're they're interested in politics, they're interested in economics, they're interested in all this stuff, but they're, they're completely oblivious to the signs of the times that they're living in. By the way, Jesus went above and beyond to prove that He was the Messiah. Just in case we have anybody who's questioning whether or not He's the Messiah is going to be watching this DVD, Jesus went above and beyond. Did you know that for hundreds of years the rabbis taught that because everybody or prophets could do miracles, that only the Messiah would be able to do four specific miracles. These are called Messianic miracles. You can go look them up online. This is a widely accepted teaching. Even to this day in Israel is this taught. The Messiah will have to do four specific miracles. You might want to write them down. I'll see if I can remember them off the top of my head. Number one, you had to be able to heal a blind man that was born blind from birth. Nobody had ever... They had, people had recovered their sight, but nobody had ever healed a man born blind from birth. Well, of course, how many remember blind Bartimaeus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me? 
And the Lord heals him, right? Restores his sight. Well, that was the first sign. See, these rabbis had said, you know, there's a lot of miracle workers, but there's four miracles that if the Messiah does it, that this man does it, we'll know that he's the Messiah. It'll set him apart from everybody else. Well, one of them was healing a man born blind from birth. The second miracle was you had to cast a demon out of a person who was both deaf and dumb, wasn't able to speak, wasn't able to hear. Now the reason they did this is because the Pharisees and the religious of Jesus' day, they had a prescribed order of exorcism. They practiced this to this, this very day. They ask questions. They have a little questionnaire. How'd you get in there? Who are you? How many of them are there? You know, you know, what door did you come through? That kind of thing. And then they cast the demon out. Well, if a man is deaf, and if a man can't speak, then the demon can't give you any information. You can't cast the devil out. So they said, only the Messiah can cast the demon out of somebody who's both deaf and moot. Jesus does that. Jesus does that. In fact, his disciples tried to do it, and they couldn't. So he comes down and he does it, right? Then the third thing is, watch this, you had to heal a Jewish leper. You had to heal a Jewish leper. Never in the history of Israel had a Jewish leper been healed. You say, hold it, pastor, what about Naaman? Naaman wasn't Jewish. Wasn't Jewish. Never was there a Jewish leper healed. So watch this. You remember the ten lepers that come to Jesus? And he, he does what? He heals only one, right? No, no, no. He heals all ten. Why? And then he says, go show yourself to the priest. Yeah, they had to go and do a ceremonial cleansing, all of that, but it was greater than that. He said, there's never, they say that only the Messiah can heal a Jewish leper. Never been done. So let me do what I do because I'm God. I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. I'll not do one. Let me give you ten. And all ten go show themselves to the priest. Right? This was a, a messianic sign. And then, of course, the fourth one was you had to raise a person from the dead after 36 hours. Because, as many of you know, the Jews believe that the, the spirit hovers close to the body for the first 36 hours. Then after that, it goes to its eternal resting place. Alright? I'm giving you all this information for a reason. I'm building up to something. Because I want you to notice something. Jesus did all four of these signs, much more than this, and still the Pharisees, still the Sadducees come to Him and say, give us a sign. So Jesus slaps them in the face and says, I'm not giving you another sign. In fact, the only other sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah the prophet. You're going to kill me? I'm going to interrupt the broadcast right there. Thirty years ago, God began to give me prophecies saying that one day He was going to use me to win thousands upon thousands of souls to His kingdom, including an audible voice, a vision, a dream, and six prophetic words. I believe that I've been directed to organize a meeting to release sevenfold miracles. We're asking those who believe in the warning given to Dimitri that America is the mystery Babylon, willing to sow a key of David's seed, willing to commit to a three-day consecutive fast, and believe we are in the last days to come to this crusade. During this crusade, we're asking people to walk the steps of Moses by observing Passover, Unleavened Bread, and First Fruits, which is April 19 through 22. We believe that once we have fasted, sown the key of David, opened the doors, and followed the steps of Moses, God is going to release the sevenfold miracles like no person or angel in history has ever seen. If you want to attend, register at sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. There are only 500 seats available. We expect to have several thousand wanting to come. That's sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Register while there are still seats available. sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. I just posted a 16-page newsletter 
our largest and most important newsletter in 25 years. It gives you in writing all the prophecies, dreams, visions, and audible voices I've received over the last 30 years telling me to organize this sevenfold miracle crusade. It'll put you in tears. Frankly, it'll put you in tears. You can download it for free at prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation just as a simple project. Surprisingly, I began to receive information on 30 revelations and two visions beyond what is found in the Bible. God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Topics are Jesus returns on what feast? The secret of the feasts. Who are the two witnesses? What is the morning star? The judgment seat explained. The great white throne explained. The nations explained. What is the shout? And the parables explained. Seals, trumpets, and vials go in what water? Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. I don't want you to get one book for $20. I want you to get five books for $30 or 10 for 55 It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Available at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20 No, 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 don't do that. You want to get five for 30 or the best deal, 10 for 55 prophecyclub.com.